0: This morning's reading is in three parts. We're going to begin on the page one thousand and forty-four from the Bibles in the Seats, which is Acts eleven, verses nineteen to twenty-six. Now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among only Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, also went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, The second part of our reading is on the next page, 1045 and it's Acts 13 verses 2 to 5. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. And the final part of our reading is chapter 28, verses 24 to 31, and it can be found on page 1064. Some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this, people, and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance.
1: we put the first slide up is that all right thank you it's really uh, good to be uh, here in the area uh, a number of times and uh, for interviews and so forth uh, I feel like I've a good, at one point my wife said to me you're not going to Camborne again are you and it feels like I've been here for the, uh, numerous meetings and it's been good and I'm really encouraged to be here uh, just after you calling Bill Uh, to come and be your minister and it's such an exciting time for you as the church as you look forward to him coming and joining you in a few months and to see where together you will journey uh, as a fellowship and uh, long forward to as your local regional minister in the baptist church and i'm sure my colleagues uh, in other denominations feel the same to journeying with you uh, on that journey and offering you advice apparently is what i do it doesn't mean it's my fault right just to make that clear so the first passage uh, we had was Acts chapter 11, and uh, just wanted to say four things. I'm not really going to talk through the passages and what they're all about, because we don't have time for that, because uh, I think they're all fairly straightforward. But I just want to share some thoughts that they uh, provoke. The first uh, thing in Acts chapter 11, sorry for all four, they were supposed to come up one at a time, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, the first one there is, is I think we're called to thrive in the world and not just survive. And I think sometimes life is hard, isn't it? In my, in my family, life is hard. I've already talked about uh, my autistic daughter. Uh, at the moment, uh, my wife and I, social services, have sent us on a non-violent resistance course. Uh, life is tough in our house, um, but I believe that God hasn't called me just to survive and cling on. Life's like that sometimes, but that is not what God has called us to as his people. Although it's like that, we're called to look to him, we're called to thrive, we're called to cry out to him, we're called to call on him to call on him for what it is he has for us. And part of that, I think, involves speaking more honestly and openly about our faith, letting our faith out of church, letting our faith out of privacy, not like someone, the politician a long time ago said, no, we don't do religion, Uh, you know, snapping out of that mentality and actually thinking, you know, I've got something worthwhile to say to this conversation. My faith makes a difference to everyday life in all kinds of ways. And if I don't find the courage and the ways of being honest about my faith, the people around me uh, are missing out. So we're called to survive, uh, sorry, to thrive and not just survive. The thing that strikes me about this Bible passage is how the people, uh, I think it uses the word proclaim quite a lot uh but they they just told people where they went and the trouble with using a word like proclaim is it excludes most of us because it's it's just for the preachers then but just wherever they were they told people what they believed they weren't shy they weren't afraid and i've learned over the years that i think if we can talk to people about what it is we believe in a really ordinary way i think it's when we make it religious that people think huh um if we can learn not to use jargon if we can use to make it normal if we can have the courage to speak up we can make such a difference so, I was sat in a coffee shop in a church. I was the minister, and we'd opened a coffee shop. Who ever would have thought of that? And uh, we're in this coffee shop, and I'm sat there with a group of parents. And uh, we're talking about stuff, and did you watch the football? And you know the story, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then one of them says, I've got to tell you all something really amazing. I found this thing, and it's called Reiki. Now, if you don't know, I don't really know what Reiki is, but it's a kind of New Age, crystals, spiritual thing. And I am sat there thinking, oh, no, and we're in a church, we open a coffee shop, I'm the minister, and I'm sat with this group of people, and they're performing Reiki. They're not performing it in the church. i shouldn't. that came out wrong. They're promoting it. They're talking, I've oh, got an amazing thing. What do I do? And I'm aware of, like, church members buzzing around and bringing cups of tea, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what am I going to say? I'm going to get the sack. This is really terrible. And in that moment, I said to God... A very, it was a very religious prayer. I used a lot of theological language. And the prayer went something like this. Help. And that was kind of it. Help. And I had a flash of inspiration. And, uh, they talk, and I said to them, and this might be a shocking subject, I said to them, I have no idea what Reiki is. Can you explain it to me? And they explained it to me. And I said, that's really interesting. So how's that made a difference in your life? Oh, it, uh, well, it makes me feel better. And I, then I said to them, I just, you know, I find that really interesting. Uh, i'm a christian as you know and we believe in prayer and i don't think prayer is just words that we say to feel better i believe we have a living relationship with the real god and recently my son uh who was born uh with um uh, celiac he was born with a gluten intolerance we prayed for him and he was healed and they were like no really and it was really interesting the way i chose not to condemn but to say, actually, we have something better, snap out of this defensiveness and not worry about what other people are doing or, prevent, or preventing. The whole healing thing is a mystery. My mum is celiac as well, and she's been prayed for numerous times and hasn't been healed. I don't, sometimes I don't understand God, but I love him and I follow him. And when we pray, things happen, we make a difference. And I wonder what it would look like if we learned just to talk honestly about what it is that we believe. In verse 21 of the passage, it says the power of the Lord was with them. They weren't kind of jumbling through life saying, oh, we follow Jesus and he's okay. There was something powerful about them. There was something different. There was something, uh, uh, as they met people, they were like, oh, these people are really different. And when some people encountered uh, the early Christians, they said to them, oh, these, you know, these people are so uneducated. But yet they're speaking with such power and authority. And I think we need to pray more than ever for the Holy Spirit to, to fill us, that we might be enthusiastic about our faith? And the answer is, what we've done this morning, the more we worship, the more clearly we see Jesus, the, the more we love him, and the more we just happen to talk about him, the more we can't help it. You know what it is when something amazing happens, perhaps when your team wins at football? I'm a Wolverhampton Wanderer supporter. That's where I grew up. I know I don't sound that way. I've travelled there. I've lived in a lot of places. I've never had a problem saying to anyone, I was a Wolverhampton Wanderer supporter, even when they were in the old fourth division. But this past season, I've been saying to people, I'm a Wolverhampton Wonder supporter. I know they only came fifth or sixth. Sorry, I'm not very good at maths. Uh, they came somewhere up to the other top. I've really, look at my team, they're amazing. And, and, and I'm enthusiastic about watching their performances. And I wonder where our enthusiasm is to talk about Jesus. I think sometimes we're put off because people don't want to know. And I think that sometimes is because we've been taught, certainly I was taught to share my faith in an almost like a telesales sales kind of way. You know when you get someone from tele-sales and they're reading their script and certainly that's how I was taught to share my faith with a kind of ABC gospel and instead I made it my decision a number of years ago that whenever I meet someone who's not a Christian I want to share something of my faith with them. I might not share the whole gospel message, I rarely do on that first meeting but I might say something like, well can I pray for you? Or I might say something to them like, I'm so sorry to hear you're stressed Do um, so you know that um, God is the God of peace and that Jesus was in a boat once and there was a storm and it was traumatic and it was stressful and Jesus said peace be still and that's my prayer for you and your life at this time and I said that to loads of people in these past few years and no one has ever said well it's a bit strange because people out there are desperate for what works people are desperate to find something that works they're desperate to find a way a way through life and I think we think we found it We've got to share it. We read in the first passage that people were first called Christians. uh, And that kind of literally means little Christ. So technically the ending, E-I-A-N, means belonging to the party of. I'm a bit reluctant to say that. It makes it sound all political. Uh, We're belonging to the Jesus party. and That isn't a political statement. We're we're with him. We're we're in his group. We're following him. And it's funny, it was almost like an insult. Because they were just followers of Jesus. And then all of a sudden these people are saying, oh, you're like little Christ's you're really strange people and then they began to wear it as a bad saying yeah we are in the Jesus party we are with him in the second passage have we gone to the second slide please Uh, we thought about uh, some people meeting and uh, we thought about what it means to be connected to Christ and uh, we got the plug there on the visual and if you don't plug something in it's not going to work very well is it and we've all had that frustrated electronic experience where you say why are you not working and then someone annoyingly says you've not plugged it in uh well perhaps you have anyway i'm sure i would never do anything like that and they pray this group of christians are praying and they're fasting they go without food so they can pray more and give more time to prayer they're listening to god they have this conversation of prayer they're hearing they're listening for god One of the most helpful things I came across a number of years ago was something called Spiritual Pathways. And I found it uh, on the Ordinary Day with Jesus course, which is published by Willow Creek, and the material says that there are a number of ways that we all engage with Jesus, and they're all different. So, some people will engage with him intellectually and rationally. Some people it's through relational and meeting with other people. Some people it's through serving, that when they serve people, they meet with Jesus in a special way. Some people it's singing and worshiping on Sundays. Some people it's having the vision and the faith and imagining this amazing journey we're going to go on. Some people are contemplative and they just want to be quiet and find Jesus in that way some people it's creation and walking through outdoors and standing on a mountaintop and feeling close to God some people it's through creativity and some people it's through visual and I found that so freeing uh, a number of years ago I love sung worship but there comes a moment 40 minutes in when I just want to sit down and read my Bible and it's because there's nothing wrong with sung worship for 40 minutes it's just it just doesn't do it for me after that length of time I think sometimes we need to reflect on how we best connect with Jesus and give ourselves that freedom to connect with him in their everyday. So they had this conversation of prayer, they heard and they listened to God. They understood what God was saying, they responded and they commissioned, they sent out Paul and Barnabas and they said off you go. They took two of their best people and they sent them away and that's gutting isn't it for any organisation. At work when you lose your best and most creative people it's like no and churches when our best people move away it's really frustrating but yet because they'd heard god they commissioned and sent people out and they relied on the holy spirit and uh, on the next slide it probably won't come up so clearly uh it struck me that when you take these things together it makes church uh see the first letters there and this is a picture of what church is God's calling us not to keep him inside these four walls. We can't anyway, but we shouldn't try. God's calling to live out our faith in the wild and to live for him uh, in our everyday life. And um, I remember, I think if we can learn to listen more in life, but the trouble is we're so busy, aren't we? I remember a number of years ago, I stood outside a school gate and I've been praying, God, speak, just guide me, God, as I'm out in the real world. And I saw someone and uh, they had a bad back and they said, I've got a really bad back. And in that moment, as clear as anything, and this was 10 years ago, this doesn't happen to me every day, as clear as anything, God said, I will heal them. I will heal them. Now, the one thing, if you think God said he's going to heal someone, the thing you never, never, never do is say that to them. Because that's really bad. Because if you've got it wrong, you're laying guilt on them. Okay, Never say that to them. But instead, I said to them, you know, I'm a Christian, right? They were like, yeah. I said, Christians believe, pray for people who aren't well. So can I pray for you? This is outside the school gate, right? This is when all the people are milling around. Uh, and I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. So I put my hand on the back and said, may God heal you. Amen. And it was that, one of those moments where you just want to run away. You know, when you've done something, you think, I've done something really stupid. You want to run away. And they said, what have you done to me? That is amazing. Now, I don't as I say that was about 10 years ago I don't make it my business at school gates to lay hands on people sometimes I want to round their necks that's not the children obviously Uh, I don't I don't do that I don't do that but in that moment at that time I felt a leading from God and I thought I've got to take a chance with this I'm not going to declare an outcome and lay guilt on people I'm just going to have a go and see what happens and my prayer is that we'd, we'd see more of that sort of thing as we listen to God I remember saying to someone else once, uh, I, as I was talking to someone, and I had this word lonely, lonely kept popping through my head. And I said to them, You know, I've got the feeling you're quite lonely. And they said, How do you know? How do you know? And I said, Well, I'm talking to you. And it's just what came into my head. And I believe that God is the God who speaks to us today. And I believe that God wants to meet you. Do you see? When we bring Jesus and the Holy Spirit into our evangelism, it makes a difference. But what we do, we've made evangelism about our bright ideas and cleverness, how we can do it, how we can tell people. And I think we need to learn what it is to bring the Holy Spirit back into him. The final passage then, conversations about Christ, a chocolate fountain there. We'll come back to the chocolate fountain in a minute. I'm going to try not to look at it because it will make me hungry. Uh, what about when things go wrong? So we find the beginning of this passage and Paul's on trial. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in court and on trial for being a Christian, I'd be a bit unhappy with God. I have to say, and I'm sorry I shouldn't say that, but I, you know, you would be that kind of God, what? God, why? And we have these moments in life when things go wrong. I remember several years ago, my life was really in a bad place. Something had gone very wrong. And I said to God, God, why do you hate me so much that you've let this happen? Now, as I spoke those words, I knew they weren't true. I knew that God didn't hate me. That was just, what, that was just the brokenness in my heart. That's just what I had to pour out to him. Why? And the thing that amazes me about Paul, even when it's gone wrong, even when he's on trial, even when he's got the threat of prison, He can't help but tell people about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? When it's gone wrong, when we're under stress, are we still passionate about Jesus? Do we still love him? And he tells people, and some were persuaded, but some wouldn't listen, and there was the scripture read from Isaiah about these people who will never pay attention. Are we willing to share the good news, even if we know that some people won't respond? Uh, I support Wolverhampton Wanderers, as I said, but I'm going to quote the Liverpool manager, Jürgen Klopp. Liverpool were 3-0 down uh, at the end of the first leg of their Champions League, which means in their second match against Barcelona, they had to score four goals. Jurgen Klopp says, our two top strikers... And then you might have think, he said, and it's impossible. Instead, he said this. He said, we need to die trying. And if we fail, we will fail in a beautiful way. Isn't that wonderful? They actually won the match 4 0. It was miraculous. But that's not the point. The point was, he was saying to his players, win or lose, you will go out and play beautifully. You know, I know they're Liverpool and they might struggle to play beautifully, unlike Wolverhampton Wanderers. uh, But that was his instruction to them, just saying, go on, have a go. Don't worry if you win or lose. That's not the point. This seems like it's beyond us. But we can play beautifully, we can express ourselves, we can be us. And I think sometimes we have this thing in our head that says, I'm not going to talk about Jesus because people won't want to know. We defeat ourselves before we start. And actually, we need to learn what it is to talk about Jesus in a beautiful way. Some will listen. Some won't be interested. But we share the good news of how Jesus is real in our lives with the people around us. It's a bit like fishing. You never see a fisherman who said, I'm not going fishing today because I won't be able to catch all the fish in the lake. You know, if I can't get the ball, I'm not doing it. It would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And the fisherman or the fisherwoman, person, they go out and they do their fishing and they see uh, what they can get. Jesus calls us to be fishers of people. And the final thing I think I want to say is what Jesus said, what flows from your heart? What flows, sorry, I can't read it. I'm going to read it on there. What flows, what you say flows from what is in your heart? And we're back to the chocolate fountain. Chocolate fountain. Imagine that you're a party and you see the chocolate fountain and you see it oozing chocolate in front of you and you're walking towards it and you've got to get there quick before the children get there because you know what happens then because they eat something and stick it back in. It's not good. So you're trying to get there first. I'm going to the chocolate fountain. Going down the chocolate fountain. It's like, whoa, chocolate fountain. And as you get there, someone comes up to it and with this big jug of green health smoothie which is a wonderful thing, apparently, and they pour it in. And you're like, no, they've ruined my jugular fountain. All of a sudden, the sauce is contaminated or made better from your perspective, and what comes out changes. Now, Jesus said, what is in your heart will determine what you say. What you say comes out of what is in your heart. So if you find that you constantly speak negatively, that's, that's what's inside you. If you, constantly, if you constantly say, I love Jesus, or think that, that, that's what's inside your heart. And actually, I've come to discover and believe the key to evangelism, telling people about like Jesus, isn't thinking, you know, I ought to try harder because they told me on Sunday. It's to fall more in love with Jesus. It's to pray for more of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's to say, God, can you be so real in my life that I'd have amazing stories to tell people of where you are with me. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Just two more pictures, and then we'll finish. So, thinking about a, t- a phone or a computer, what's your operating system? The operating system is what phones, some people have Apple phones, some people have phones with buttons, God bless you, and, uh, but we have operating systems. And the one thing in my phone, which happens to be an Android phone, if I delete the software and put Apple software on there, it won't work. It won't, it's not designed for it what is our operating system because we were designed to have the operating system of the holy spirit guiding us leading us helping us to become more like jesus what is driving us what is inside what's going on i'd encourage you to make that a matter of prayer this week thinking about that and the last picture i think a desire to tell people about jesus is a spiritual thermometer i'm not saying whether you do it or not you might want to but be too afraid If we have absolutely no desire to talk about our faith ever, then our faith is not real inside us. I'm not saying we're not Christians or we're not saved. I'm just saying our faith is not alive and kicking inside of us. Because what we're passionate about these passages just can't help but tell people about Jesus. Jesus had changed his life and my prayer is that he would change ours too.